In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Please be seated. It's a joy to be with you this morning on uh, this Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to all the dads. We've got a special treat for you all after the service. And it's a joy to be with you on this second Sunday after Pentecost. Uh, we are now in the season after Pentecost, which is sometimes called Ordinary Time. Uh, I try to avoid calling it that because, as, as many have said, there's nothing ordinary about ordinary time. Uh, but also, the term uh, ordinary time can tacitly give this impression that, spiritually speaking, we're sort of on a vacation, a summer vacation, and nothing too important is going to happen uh, during uh, this season, nor should we expect it to, because it's just ordinary ho-hum time. But the Christian year, whether fast, feast, or feria, should never have the feel of a Monday morning. Thus, I prefer the traditional name for this season, which is Trinity Tide. Thus, we as a church need to embark upon this season as not a break, but as an opportunity for tremendous growth. Growth in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Growth in the Holy Trinity, by whom and for whom we were made. Uh, you can go back and listen to last week's sermon, if you missed it, uh, on the doctrinal and practical centrality of the Holy Trinity. So in this season after Pentecost, uh, we can learn, we should learn, what it means to walk by the Spirit whom the church received at Pentecost and to be empowered for mission by the Spirit who indwells in us. So during this Trinity Tide, we're in year C, our gospel readings will come from the Gospel of Luke. And if you've ever been through the Gospel of Luke in the Christian era, or if you've ever read uh, through it on your own, you will know that Luke is a hard-hitting Gospel. That is not to say that the other Gospels aren't, but the call to radical transformation and discipleship is pronounced in Luke. Our Lord will challenge us during this season. He will call us to follow him like never before. The question is, will we answer the call? And we need to know that if we do answer the call, that it will be in the power of the Holy Spirit. God never calls us to be something, to do something that he also doesn't equip us by his power to do. Think about Moses when God called him as an 80-year-old man to deliver the, the Israelites from slavery in Egypt. He thought it too big a task for him. And it was. But God had called him to do it, and God would equip the call, and he did. Luke, again, is a hard-hitting gospel. Uh, 
We may feel like the disciples at times who were in Luke 18 perplexed by Jesus's call to the rich young ruler to go and to sell everything he had and follow Jesus. They were so perplexed by Jesus' absolute demand upon his life that they said to Jesus, then who can be saved? And what does our Lord say? He says, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Brothers and sisters, we can know and follow the triune God because the Father sent his Son into the world to conquer that which enslaved us, that which separated us from God, namely sin, death, and Satan. We are united to Christ who took upon and healed universal human nature. And it is in the sacrament of baptism that we are united with Christ. From today's epistle, Galatians 3, it says, As many of you as were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. In the ancient church, the baptized would be clothed with white. This is a sign that the baptized have been forgiven of their sins, white purity, but also, as Paul's speaking of here in Galatians 3, that they have put on Christ. So baptism is properly, biblically, understood as the definitive beginning of the Christian life. But, and this is where people can get confused, especially those coming from an evangelical or Baptist or Protestant background, trying to get all the words in there, all the terms in there. It's the definitive beginning of the Christian life, but it's not the whole of the Christian life. Just as God's deliverance of Israel from Egypt through the Red Sea, an image of baptism, a type of baptism, was not the end, but the definitive beginning of their journey to the promised land. However, the whole of the Christian life is a deepening, a strengthening of the union with Christ formed and given at baptism. It's a working out with fear and trembling the grace given at baptism. And this working out, also important to understand, is not in order that we may become the children of God, offspring of Abraham. No, deeper union with God is only possible on account of an existing union with God. Stay with me. Paul speaks of having been clothed, clothed with Christ, having put on Christ. But Paul elsewhere having put on Christ in baptism. But elsewhere, he also exhorts us to do it practically, to become in practice what we are in position, to live as children of God. In Romans 13, 
Paul says to the church. So he's saying this to those who have been united with Christ. He says, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Deeper union with God is only possible on account of an existing union with God. Said differently, we can only live as children of God practically if we already are. We wouldn't have the power otherwise. The spiritually dead, by definition, cannot be alive. Paul also says in Colossians 3, he says in verse 5, he says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. And in verse 12, put on then as God's chosen one, chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. And he goes on. All of these exhortations are rooted in an existing union, and it's only possible to obey these exhortations because we have died with Christ in baptism, Colossians 2, and are now risen and ascended with our Lord and indwelt by the Holy Spirit. This great salvation which, as we heard in the lessons, is offered to all. God offers this salvation to all people, this life in the Holy Trinity to all people. Paul in Galatians is trying to help the church work out what it means that Christ has come and fulfilled the law. God's people are no longer under the pedagogy of the law. Actually, the, the word in Galatians 3 that Paul used for, uses for tutor or disciplinarian is the word from, from which we get pedagogy, teaching. The image is almost like uh, that of an au pair, that the law was helping to raise God's children up to maturity to bring them to a place where they would be ready to receive Christ who fulfills the law. Christ has fulfilled the law, so we're no longer under the law of Moses. And Paul goes on to explain that full membership in God's family is not on the basis of sex, ethnicity, circumcision, but rather on union with Christ. Union with Christ. Verse 28, he says, And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. And the sign of covenant membership the ongoing badge of membership in God's family, to use the phrase of Bishop N.T. Wright, is not adherence to the law, to the Torah, 
but faith in Jesus Christ. It's faith in Jesus Christ. And what is faith? Faith, again, is not mere intellectual assent. It's not believing certain doctrines, which even the demons believe, James says, and which we saw in today's gospel. Legion, this host of demons, knew who Jesus was. They had intellectually given intellectual assent to the deity of Christ. But we wouldn't say that these demons were saved. No, faith is belief in, it's trust in, loyalty and faithfulness to Jesus. To bring it back to the beginning of the sermon, as we come to the end, we have an opportunity during this season, this season after Pentecost, but also in this season in the life of our little church to grow in faith, to grow in holiness, to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus, and to be outward looking, we have an opportunity for God to use us in a mighty way so that those for whom Christ died, which is everyone, can be brought into the midst of the Trinitarian life. That they can know the God for whom they were made. At the end of today's gospel, we see both. We see both the transformation of an individual and of a community. The garrison demoniac is no longer such. Rather, he is, quote, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. In those few words are the whole of the Christian life, that we would be clothed, that we would have put on Christ, that we would be at peace, at, in our right mind, sitting at the feet of Jesus. He was changed. He was transformed. He was healed. He was saved. And he's excited. <laughs> the people want Jesus to get out of there as quick as possible. He, he doesn't. He wants to go follow Jesus. He wants to literally go on mission with him. But Jesus says to him, return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. So he went away, proclaiming throughout the city how much Jesus had done for him. The call for this body is similar to be missionaries, not in some distant land, but at home. To, in word and deed, show and tell people all that Jesus has done for us. The transformation of the individual member of Christ's body, the transformation of this community, will have a profound effect on those around us, especially if we consciously recognized ourselves 
as such, that, that we would be open to, God, I want you during this so-called ordinary time to change me, to heal me, to transform me in a way that you never have before. And as you change and transform me, O oh Lord, use me. Open my eyes to opportunities to show others the love and message of Jesus Christ. Because you see, God can use you now. He's not waiting for you to be a canonized saint. He's not waiting for you to be in practice in your right mind. We're all in need of healing. We're all in need of transformation. We all have baggage. What he needs for you, from you, is surrender. That there's an openness and there is an overt request on your part just to say, okay, Lord, I am open to knowing you and following you in a way that I never have before in my life. Lord, I want you to change and transform me. So as we are at the start of this season, let us be open and more than that, actively seeking the face of God, that he would transform our lives as individuals, that he would transform and strengthen our marriages, that he would transform our families, our friends, our neighbors, our coworkers, our communities. Let us, like Isaiah, in repentance and surrender, say, Lord, take the coal and cleanse my lips. It's personal, individual transformation. And also to say to our Lord with Isaiah, here I am, send me. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost.